The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Bad Boys. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much about you, Kerwin. I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Some ice cold Coors Light. Cool. Also with us today is Mugga. How you doing, Mugs? Special K. What are you drinking today? Uh, an Elysian Space Dust. Megan, his return is Bling. What's up, Bling? Hey, Carl, how's it going? I'm great. What are you drinking today? Uh, I was drinking a Coke. Also with us is Holly. <laughs> Holly, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking a Space Dust as well. All right, cool. Uh, sounds out of this world. What are Carl, you drinking? What are you drinking? You yeah. just had something. <laughs> I'm drinking water now. <laughs> but uh, I just had a, uh, what was it, like a spiked green tea or something like that? Uh, I'm a little out of it right now, but I'm going to try to hold it together. Um, so today we're talking about uh, Bad Boys, released April 7th, 1995. It stars Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, Taylor Leone, Shecky Cario, uh, Teresa Randall, and uh, Joe Pantoliano. It's directed by Michael Bay, written by Michael Berry, Jim Mulholland, Doug Richardson, George Gallo. It's produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer Films and distributed by Columbia Pictures. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? So this movie obviously was in uh, 1995. It had a production budget of 19 million, which I thought was really low, especially for a movie like this um, with the actors, all that stuff. It did very, very well though. Um, domestic lifetime gross was 66 million. Uh, foreign did a little bit better was 75.5 million and uh, if you add all that up worldwide 141 million dollars total so for 19 million dollars i could say it's safe to say this was a a good investment um opening weekend a little over 15.5 million and it was number one in the rankings some other movies that were around at the time uh, a goofy movie you guys wow. remember that yes. opening weekend a goofy movie um don juan <laughs> Uh, DeMarco, I, did, I never saw that. You guys ever heard of that? I've heard of a... It was a John yeah. Depp, right? But uh, we have talked about this. This was one of the times in 95 that had huge movies and a great time for movies. Forrest Gump was in its 40th week, Holly. Uh, yes. Still making money, $1.7 million that weekend. Uh, Pulp Fiction, 26th week, was at $1.3 million. You also had movies such as Tommy Boy. Um, that was its second week. Um, and Outbreak. Did you guys ever see Outbreak? Yes. Oh, yeah, and then you also had Major Pain. Yes, and, uh, Major Pain. Yes. One that I thought was worth Tank Girl. <laughs> Remember that? Did anyone ever see Tank Girl? Tank Girl? Tank Girl, yeah. No, i never yeah. seen the movie. No. This is that, I think it's that girl Lori Petty, right? The girl that was on A League of Their Own and all that stuff. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, but it was the, that was the second weekend. But yeah. Um, a lot of good movies that were uh, were in theaters. And I know Jurassic Park was in theaters at this time. Obviously, it wasn't in the top 10 during this weekend. But, but yeah, a good, a good year for movies was 95. But, uh, but yeah, those are the uh, those are financials. So, basically, this did very, very well. But if you had to add it all up, $141 million it made. So, uh, Jason, why don't you tell us what the people thought of this movie? On Rotten Tomatoes, 42% of critics liked it, giving it a 5.03 out of 10 with 62 votes. Audience gave it a 78%, so 78% of the audience gave it a 3.5 out of 5 or higher. Average score was 3.91 out of 5 with 660,000 votes. Uh, IMDb, they had a 6.9 out of 10 with 208,000 votes. And again, trying to go back to those demos again. Males overall gave it a 6.9, females gave it a 6.8. 
again, with the fewest votes but the highest rating, females under 18 give it an 8.0. And then with one of the lowest ratings, females 45 and above gave it a 6.7. With the males 18 and under, again, only 72 votes but gave it a 7.1. So I don't know, when I look at Rotten Tomatoes, I'm kind of siding more with uh, the audience here. I don't know. Do you think this is a fair score? So, like, again, the critics give it a 5.03 out of 10. What are your thoughts? I, I could see that. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I wanted to say, how come it seems like females under the age of 18 always give it the best rating? Right. And every single movie every we've done Every time we do it. a movie, whether it's The Room, whether it's, you know... Every time, Every usually, time it's the females. females under 18 give it the best rating. I, I'm not sure, but again, just always remember, too, that that's the one part of the demo that gives the fewest number of ratings, too. So so just to put it in perspective a little bit, so like under 18 females, there's only 10 votes. But then 18 to 29, there's almost 5,000 votes. Okay. Mm. So, so that, the ones that are voting, they just are passionate about it and they want to go yeah. on and do it. Otherwise, that's what I'm these thinking. girls are just like, I don't care about a movie at all. You that, know? That's yeah. what I'm thinking. I mean, you like when you look at, you know, again, females 30 to 44, there's 9,000 votes. 45 and plus, there's almost 2,000 votes. But 18 and under, for females, there's 10. For 18 and under males, there's 72. So there's a lot less votes, but you can tell the people that are going on here and voting are, like you said, very passionate about the movie. So that's maybe why it's a little inflated. But I mean, we were talking 10 votes compared to 200,000. It's not really affecting the meme that much. So I guess that makes um, sense. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I got for the, for the review. All right, so uh, getting into the behind the scenes, uh, during very early development, this movie actually started out at Disney and was supposed to star Dana Carvey and John Lovitz, who were both successful SNL cast members in the late 80s to the early 90s, with Disney being specifically interested in Carvey due to the success of the Wayne's World films. Uh, back then, the title of this movie was known as uh, Bulletproof Hearts. Um, Carvey was actually into the project and willing to sign on, but he dropped out after spending time with Don Simpson in Las Vegas. Apparently, Don Simpson was doing a ton of coke during the outing, and that really turned Dana Carvey off completely, and it almost killed the entire project with Jerry Bruckheimer having to step up and take responsibility for the production of the film. That's what I heard. I heard if it wasn't for Jerry Bruckheimer coming to it, this film would have been just, hey, we're done. We're we're out of here. And this is the last film that those two guys did together, because I think four months after this, he passed away, right? Uh, he passed away. I think it was like 1996. I think because oh, this okay. movie, came, yeah, he. Oh, when the movie came, yeah, when the movie came uh, out, yeah, yeah he passed out before Con Air came out. Right, that's yeah. what it was. Okay, yeah, but um, yeah, because this happened at Vegas, like you said, Muggs, um, Jerry Bruckheimer kind of had to step up and save the production. Don Simpson was actually banned from the set and wasn't involved in the production of this movie at all. He would die about a year later, a year after Bad Boys was released uh, in January 1996 from Lethal Intoxication. Um, Eventually, the film moved from Disney to Columbia Pictures, and the president of production at the time, whose name is uh, Barry Josephson, felt that they should cast black actors for the lead roles. Other films that Josephson oversaw were Men in Black, Air Force One, The Fifth Element, and Anaconda. He was also the executive producer on Wild Wild West. (laughs) Great movie. Great Great movie. movie. Classic. Classic. You could have had Will Smith as Neo, but instead he chose the Wild Wild West. We got Will Smith now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're good. We got Keanu Reeves. Yeah, we got Keanu Reeves. Yeah. It's a win-win, that kind of thing. Yeah. Two great actors. Room for everybody. Yeah. Uh, After Josephson's uh, involvement, uh, actors in line to star in the lead roles were, at one point, Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes, 
And uh, at another time, Arsenio Hall was actually in line to star as Michael Lowry, but he passed on the role. See, I, I heard that Ar- Arsenio Hall was supposed to be the character of Will Smith, but um, Bay fell in love with Smith. I don't know if that's when Arsenio pulled out, but with a couple episodes that he saw Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Was that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, so he was a fan of Fresh Prince. And um, according to IMDb, uh, Arsenio Hall says this is one of the biggest mistakes he's made in his career, was turning down the role uh, in Bad Boys. I also read that in an interview with GQ, Martin Lawrence said that Lawrence Fishburne turned down the role of Mike Lowry, too. The Matrix is just here, man. No, Jeez. Damn, could you imagine that? No. (laughs) Okay. Why? I I guess not. Well, I mean, I guess Lawrence Fishburne could have done both. I mean, The Matrix is four years later. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to prepare for The Matrix. Morpheus. Takes time. Takes effort. So eventually, Martin Lawrence got cast along with Will Smith. Both actors, you know, of course, had hit TV shows at the time. We got Fresh Prince and we got Martin. The movie actually features a few actors who ended up starring in The Sopranos. So Joe Pantoliano, uh, you know, the precinct captain, uh, he plays uh, Ralph uh, Cifaretto. Uh, Michael Imperioli, who plays Jojo in the movie, plays Christopher Moltisanti. Frank John Hughes, who plays Casper in this film, plays Walden uh, Bilfiore. And Scott Cumberbatch, uh, one of the kids that plays Marcus's sons, he appears in a season one episode with Sean Tour, who's the store clerk at the bodega. He shows up in season three of The Sopranos. Uh, the guy that gets shot as the decoy at the very beginning, uh, I believe, is Kim Coates, who plays Tig on Sons of Anarchy. He was That's in true, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's in this movie. Fletcher, the hacker that helps Mike and Marcus out, uh, is actually NBA star John Sally, who actually won two championships with the Pistons, and the nickname of that team was the Bad, Bad Boys. Boys. Yeah. yeah. At one point in the movie, the precinct captain is shooting baskets uh, in the gym. And smoking a cigar. Yeah, smoking a cigar. Which is the weirdest Doesn't thing. Doesn't he also have like a vest on, like a bulletproof vest? Like, but like, like why do you need that now in the that gym? Kevlar on, yeah. just in case. Yeah. He's, he's making shots. I don't know. <laughs> Got that. But, uh, yeah, when Mike says, everyone wants to be like Mike, and the chief says, uh, well, you're going to be retired like him, too. Uh, Four this, months later. Yeah, this yeah. movie came out in 1995, the same year that Jordan came back and joined the Bulls a month before this movie came out. Um, he and the Bulls would end up winning a championship next season against the Seattle Supersonics. John Sally was on that team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Teresa Randall, who plays Marcus's wife, Teresa Burnett in Bad Boys, would also end up playing Michael Jordan's wife, Juanita Jordan, in Space Jam, which came out in 1996, a year later. Oh, my God. Wow, it's all eyes. connected. <laughs> yeah. Mike, uh, Michael Jordan's everywhere. Uh, so getting into the, the director and the script, uh, Bad Boys is actually Michael Bay's first feature film. You may know his other films like The Rock, the first five Transformers movies, Armageddon, and of course, the cinematic masterpiece, Bad Boys 2. Uh, Michael Bay started out doing storyboards as an intern for George Lucas at the age of 15, and he actually worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Michael Bay actually thought that Raiders of the Lost Ark was gonna be a terrible movie, but he was actually so impressed by the movie upon its release that he decided to become a director. After graduating from college, he went on to direct music videos for artists like Tina Turner, Meat Loaf, Lionel Richie, Styx, Vanilla Ice, Chicago, Donny Osmond, and uh, many more. He also directed commercials for Coca-Cola, The Red Cross, and he directed the uh, Got Milk advertising campaign. Well, that was big. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but his, this was his first full feature film, right? Yeah. Okay. First uh, feature film, yeah. His music videos eventually got him noticed by Bruckheimer and Simpson, and that's kind of how he got the job as the Bad Boys director. Since this is Michael Bay's first movie, he decided he should screen it for his mom, 
Apparently, Michael Bay's mom told him that there was too much cursing in the movie, so he edited a lot of that out. I heard it wasn't just the cursing, though. There, I mean, I have language, but there's also a bunch of sex jokes, as well as there was a torture scene they had in there. And they were like, yeah, you got to get that. That's when the mom was like, get that out of there. And I think that's why it toned down. Which, if you watch it, it's like still not toned down. I'm like wondering right. what the original cut would have been like <laughs> if mom hadn't stepped in. Yeah, because this this movie does get pretty like gratuitous oh, with yeah. a lot of that. Oh, yeah. So I can't even imagine that this would have more than that. Regarding the script, everybody hated it. It was originally written by George Gallo, who wrote Double Take and codenamed The Cleaner. He's also credited on Bad Boys 2, Bad Boys 3, which is mistakenly named Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, they totally missed on yeah, that. Yeah, they fucked that one up. Uh, which just finished wrapping filming actually and Bad Boys 4 which is currently in pre-production but I think this has to do a lot with WGA standards for writing so I think because he wrote the first one he gets story credit on all the other ones after Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah if you want any more information about how um, the Writers Guild kind of assigns credits to writing work check out our episode on The Rock another Michael Bay film and you can kind of figure out how that works Uh, the producers brought in Michael Carey and Jim Mulholland to fix the script Between the two of them, they worked on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and The Late Show with David Letterman. Another writer on this film was Doug Richardson, who worked on Die Hard 2 and Money Train. But the script still sucked. Michael Bay in an interview said, quote, Bad Boys was a very bad script, I thought. Let's face it. Basically, all we had for Bad Boys was two great actors, and they had great charisma together. He would even later go on to call the movie a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I'm just saying, like, I also heard that, like, they knew they had two gems and these two actors, and they just said, hey, the script, script sucks, but, like, we'll just let you... And they gave them a lot of freedom to do improv and whatnot. And I think it's very clear when you watch this movie that those two guys are just feeding off each other. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so there was a ton of improv, like you said, Muggs. But uh, I also heard that this is out of Bay's movies. This was his least favorite he ever did, not only because of the script, but the pressure of, like, the studio as well. Like, they just... Yeah, I, I don't know, but... He had no money. No, yeah, There's no, no money. money to do anything, yeah. you know, and this strip stuck. And if it wasn't for Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, I think, being in here, this movie would have sucked Tanked, tremendously. Yeah, yeah. but oh, you also yeah. have to think of, like, the production, like that company like Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer were on their way out yeah. like this was one of their last movies together so it probably wasn't the best working conditions right. and it probably didn't even help that they had that whole meltdown which caused them to move from Disney to Columbia because right. I think once you moved to a second studio it's either things are either looking up or you kind of just ended up here it's like a death wish already. yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. Do or die kind of thing yeah it's either like they really want it yeah. or it's just fuck I guess we'll make it so we talked about like um, the script being kind of trash. Uh, there was a ton of improvisation during the shooting, specifically that bodega scene where Will Smith kind of demands this tropical fruit bubblicious. Um, <laughs> I laughed. I thought it was funny. I guess. And some Skittles. I guess. And some okay. waffle fries. Faux free. Unforgivable. <laughs> um, so at the end of the movie where Mike says, I love you, Will Smith didn't want to say that. Right. And uh, Michael Bay felt that his character saying that would sum up kind of the relationship that Mike and Marcus have throughout the film, where although they bicker and they kind of fight and they argue, at the end of the day, they still have each other's backs. But Will Smith fought with Michael Bay the entire day of shooting. And just when there's you know enough sun to do like one or two takes, uh, Michael Bay just gives up and says, fine, do whatever the fuck you want. And when they actually do film the scene, Will Smith, for whatever reason, decided to say, I love you. Why would he not want to say that? I don't get it. No idea. That kind of makes sense now, because like when he says it, you can almost see like a genuine surprised look on Marcus's face. He's like, oh, he actually 
he actually said it right now because I was reading that too and like I, when I was rewatching it I was like you don't really expect him to say it he says it really low almost like a whisper and then like you see you know Martin's face and he's like what the fuck like oh maybe he was doing it to get that reaction out of him maybe yeah and, and the other thing too is just like we talk about like the improv and everything like maybe to get that genuine reaction but I read some stuff in which uh, Bay was going around kind of like stirring up beef between the two actors so that way like the tension you feel when they're arguing felt more real they both thought that they were talking shit about each other the entire time right and it wasn't until the movie was done shooting that they found out none of that shit was right true. Yeah, yeah that's one of my treasures when we get to it i thought that was amazing because you can kind of cut the tension with a knife on some of those scenes you know like they really i think hate each other but yeah that's that's interesting that you said that we'll talk about this in trashy treasure but it didn't really feel like these guys were friends no, a lot of times no. during this movie which is which is super weird um, the chase scene where Will Smith was running with his shirt wide open. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. he was supposed to be like shirtless or whatever. Yeah. And he, coming back from his Philadelphia roots, he didn't feel that he was that soft of a guy. So he, he says, no, I want a shirt on. I guess they compromised to an unbuttoned like shirt that, uh, yeah, just half off. But whatever. You have someone running with he his shirt the, off. He got the shirt the half off. There you go. Yeah. Those great slow-mo scenes of just him running. Oh, my God. It, what? It's, it's almost great. slow. <laughs> They're Awesome. It's almost worse. Jason said that, not me. It's almost worse because it's just a button-up shirt that's wide the fuck open. It's kind of like pick one. I feel like yeah, halfway like, would have been at the time, that? which is the '90s, a wife beater. Like the, you yeah. know what I mean? Like Martin Lawrence had it. Martin Lawrence had a wife yeah, beater. Yeah. Like why? Why have just an unbuttoned shirt? It's either you take that off or button it up. There's no need to it's like. My, it's Miami though. That's how a lot of people yeah. are. They just leave like four an extra couple buttons that might seem a little too much here. That's how it but is. But like open. wide the fuck open though. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, there is. He's just, running. Yeah. Jason, let me ask you: How would you rate Will Smith's physique? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Really? You don't know? I, I think he's like better like I Am Legend and stuff like okay. that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little skinny dude in there. He's a little skinny. He's, he's, skinny. he's, he's coming fresh out of Fresh Prince right yeah, now. Yeah, like he put, he put weight on I think for like Bad Boys 2. He was yeah. like a bigger dude, yeah. yeah. I thought he was big in Independence Day, yeah. wasn't he? And that was yeah. before Bad Boys 2, yeah. Um, so getting more into the production on the stunt side of things, that Shelby Cobra that the bad guy drives, what's his name, Fouché? Fouché. Yeah, yeah, like so uh, it actually got damaged coming out of the plane during the shootout scene so for the rest of the chase scene whenever you see it it's only shown in tight close-up shots to hide all the damage they did to it wow. yeah and it wasn't until later in the production that they actually got a hold of another car that they could shoot uh wide shots of later so that's why when they're playing chicken trying to get through that you know tiny entrance mike and marcus's car is seen in wide shots but that shelby is all tight shots of the driver because wow. they fucked that car up off of one little scene of just driving out of the, the airplane. Taya Leone, she actually got knocked unconscious during the scene where Marcus this, jumps and tackles her. I heard this has actually prevented her then from doing these type of movies because of that, right? She's like, all right, I'm done with these action films. And I can't think of, she was in Jurassic Park, The Lost World. I don't know what year that was, but I think that might have been before this, wasn't was it? Was she in that one? The Lost World? Yeah. I thought she was. No, that's, um, no, that's, no, uh, no. what's oh, her I'm, name? I'm wrong. It's the other girl, huh? From, uh... Great. Now we got a fucking the redheaded one. What's her name? Julianne Moore. Julianne no, Moore. She's, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's the third one. The third Jurassic Park. Then she's the wife of the 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 or the ex. I guess they're separated. Oh, she, she's the mom. She's the third one. She's in the third Jurassic oh, Park. I'm shit. wrong. Yeah. How do I get a Jurassic Park thing wrong, man? Damn it. All, hey, but she was one? also in the Family Man, right? Yeah. After that, with with Nick Cage. But yeah. She was in the one with Jim Carrey too. She was. Which uh, one was that one? Um, fun with Dick and Jane. Oh, you're, oh yeah, right. you're right. But but yeah, so she really didn't do action films no, after she, this, she, huh? She didn't do any action films. Yeah, she said Damn like, 
AK-47 just knocked her out. Yeah, I guess um, the AK-47 was strapped to Martin Lawrence's stunt double. So he was going to be the one that tackled her, but it wasn't strapped tightly enough. So when he went in to jump on her to save her from like the gunfire, the butt of the gun like hit her in the jaw and it knocked her out completely. Right, right. And it freaked everybody out. It freaked Michael Bay out because he had these actors no budget he probably didn't want to deal with the studio because that was a scene that he specifically paid for so is he like liable and all that stuff or i, I would say so because i yeah I, I have that the budget was low but he felt this had to be so he paid twenty five thousand dollars of his own money in order to complete that ending that you have which is the hangar scene yeah which i think it has to be in the movie like you have to end it that way but yeah yeah, because thinking about this movie, it's just like, what do you put there if you don't have that? Like, that's that's the set piece of the movie. Right. I don't think this movie has any other set pieces other right. than that. Like, you might have a couple of chases here and there and a shootout, but I, I feel like... Speaking if, of chases, can I interrupt you real quick? I heard that also this inspired this other movie, but Too Fast, Too Furious, they also had uh, shot some of their chase scenes exactly where Bad Boys had shot theirs. Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, I can't. What I, scenes? I, I don't know either. Too Fast, Too Furious is awful. I get it. But there's a couple <laughs> yeah. chase scenes in Miami where they wanted to use the exact locations as uh, Bad Boys did. Yeah, I but that was interesting. Maybe it was, yeah, I think it was the, the chase scene to like that hideout in Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, is that when they all come out at the same time? It might time be, yeah. And the cops don't know what to do? Yeah. One thing I was reading was something about the special effects and um, some of the, the shootouts and stuff. So I don't know if you remember the scene where Marcus goes to um, Julia's, or actually it's I think it's Max's apartment where Julia's staying. And so he goes there, pretending to be Mike Lowry, and then all of a sudden Fouché's men, they find them. One of the first shots is like a shotgun shot through the door. And the shot from what's described in this YouTube video called the bang and the boom, they say the shot is about the size of a pizza. Like it's huge, like the shot through the door. Well, like Muggs was talking about earlier, um, Michael Bay, like just the, the budget for this movie was so small that they were trying to do everything they could to kind of cut costs. So I guess Michael Bay and the team like found this local effects team down in Miami to try to use to cut some of the costs. And that was like one of the first things they had to do was this shot through the door. And when Michael Bay saw this, I guess he was like, yeah, we got to find some other people because that is not like the size of a shotgun <laughs> shot. Like it, 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 when you rewatch it, it's actually in the film. It's like huge. It's like half the door. So it still made it in the film. It's still made in the film. <laughs> but after this, they reached out to, it's like this eight minute video on YouTube. It's called The Bang and the Boom. And they bring this guy called Mike Menard and this other guy, his name is Mike Papik. And what they do is Mike Papik is like a weapon specialist and Mike Menard is like a special effects specialist. And what they do is they actually like take time out in the desert and they have like doors and like gallons of water, bottles of juice, all kinds of stuff that they end up shooting throughout the movie and they just practice shooting it and then recording what it looks like to make it more realistic. Mm. And these guys, I guess, were on the cheaper side, but they had worked on movies like some of the Lethal Weapons, some of the Die Hards, mm -hmm. and they had done a lot of things, but they were on the cheaper side. So after, I guess, that first shotgun shot through the door and it looking like a pizza, they're like, we need to figure out ways to do this. So I thought that was kind of cool how they actually like, this weapon specialist brought in like all these guns. Like that's what his job is, I guess, is to rent out guns to like Hollywood. So anytime there's like a shootout, he brings all these guns and they practice shooting to try to recreate what it looks like. So I don't know, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it just kind of proves the point that this budget was like super yeah. tight. Yeah. And they were trying to do everything they could to make it re look realistic, but there's a lot of trial and error throughout it. Well, and you got to give Michael Bay credit then for pulling off what he did with such a low budget. I mean, that, 
it's almost then, impressive. And then you know? coming out of pocket, it's yeah. like, okay, so this this local company's not going to work. All right, I, I know these two guys. They'll cut me a deal. Yeah. They're going to help us out tremendously. And then it's like they still run out of money towards the end. Yeah. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to put in more money just yeah. to make this what I want it to be. I, th- I, don't know, I thought it was kind of cool to watch that. I mean, to kind of put it in perspective... 19 million is not a lot of money when you compare it to like Michael Bay's Transformers films where he's it was like a 120 million dollar yeah. budget that's amazing what you could do with 19 million well even for <laughs> the 90s like 19 million is a lot like you talk about something you know compared to a decade later yeah. like 19 million isn't shit in 1994 95 when this film's in production you know like that's even smaller well and they're shooting in Miami and I think they also shoot one of the the scenes where they're sitting on the steps it's Dade Courthouse like that that they actually shoot there which is like an island off of Florida so it's like I would imagine just shooting in some of these areas has to cost a shit ton of money so that on top of the limited budget I'm, I feel like they're trying to just try as do, much as they can do we know how Will Smith and Martin Lawrence got paid on this or was it also again they signed on as how the success of the movie will determine their percentage of what they get paid. I don't think they were established, you know, big time actors like we know them now. They so. were the TV actors. Yeah, I they were that. the TV yeah. actors. Yes, but they weren't really getting the movie. From the so movie this catapulted budgets. Will Smith into being the superstar he is for movies. Yeah, now. because like, didn't he do like a couple films before this? He's done. A, yeah, he's I done a few rem- films. What did he do before this? He's done a few films. Nothing big. I know there's one film he played a homosexual character. That was it. But other than that, he hadn't really done any other films. He was Fresh Prince was his yeah. full time gig. He did Six Degrees of Separation, Made in America, and Where the Day Takes You. Those are the only three movies that I see for him before this one. Just a little fun fact before we continue. Here we go. I think it was, what season was it of Fresh Prince? Where Nikki was talking to him and said that Uncle Phil wouldn't let him watch Bad Boys. (laughs) And then Will Smith looks at him and is like, what you going to do? Or something like that. (laughs) He's just like, huh, Bad Boys, huh? What you going to (laughs) do? Sorry, I had to put that in there. Amazing work by Will Smith. Amazing work. Uh, one thing I read, did you guys read this about the opening scene, how that was actually put into the movie? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The yeah. part where they're in the car about him spilling the food. Oh, yeah. Apparently, one of my treasures is the heist. You know, stealing the money. And I'll get to why I like it. And I believe that was the original way they wanted to open up the movie. However, I think Michael Bay thought that the audience needed to relate and hook them into these two characters interacting together. So during the post-production, I think when they're editing, he convinced the studio to let them film this one scene. They shot it on a late afternoon, and that's where you get this whole scene of them interacting in, is it a Porsche that he's driving? It's a I Porsche, think? yeah. yeah. Like and, 911 uh, Turbo, yeah. Yeah. And, and, edition, and, okay. and because of that, that's why you have the movie starting the way you do, which I think was necessary. I mean, I think if you start with the heist, I, I don't know. I feel like you start with those guys as cops that just, they go at it because of they're so different in so many ways, but alike in so many ways. Then, okay, here's the heist, and here we go, and now you have your whole cops versus these Bad villains. Guys, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, cops and robbers, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that they actually did this, I think, in the post-production part of this movie. So, interesting, though. One last little fun fact before we continue. Um, Vic Manny, do you guys know who that is, the actor? No. Um, he is one of Fouché's bodyguards. He's been in a few movies like Armageddon, obviously this movie. He was actually one of Don Simpson's bodyguards, and I guess he hired him after being threatened by the mafia. <laughs> and it's actually how he got into acting. So oh. On a mafia threat? So yeah, so Don Simpson got threatened by the mafia. 
and knew this guy and hired him after being threatened. Like and that's Holly- how he got his way into Hollywood needs to make a movie of the life of Don Simpson. Like, I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> right. Like this guy had a weird life that we're all now that we're researching movie. He was always behind the scenes. It's very he was interesting. Always behind the scenes, fucking shit up. Oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. Just but about and- iconic movies too. You right. know, like, so, so Vic Manning was the guy. Like I don't know if you remember where Julia's like kind of handcuffed um, at the airport scene, mm-hmm. and like he goes up and says like some inappropriate comment. Oh to her. yeah, <laughs> like he was just like he was like, oh, if you drop something down your shirt, like I can help you. Like, uh, I'll apples. scratch it yeah, or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. That, that's Vic Manning right there. No, but going back to Don Simpson, like I just imagine SNL, like because originally they had Dana Carvey, right? I just imagine SNL at that time and the rumors that you hear of like the SNL cast and like the heavy drugs that they were into. If you could turn off somebody from SNL with your drug use, like that's saying something. <laughs> that's the only. I was just like, Jesus. Come on, let's start putting a script together. Twenty dollar ticket productions. Don Simpson to life. <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to be the Don Simpson of that group. We'll figure out who he looks the most like, and then go from there. All right, we'll do that. Maybe right. maybe Tom Cruise can play him. We don't know. Yeah. Yo, Tom Cruise might listen to this podcast. Tom Cruise probably does at this point. Yeah. All right, let's get into our experience with this movie. Jason, why don't you tell us about your experience with Bad Boys? So this came out in 95, so I'm nine years old at this point. Jesus. Yes. And, uh, did you love Shrek? I did. I love Shrek so much. I prayed oh, so he didn't night. come out until 2001. I already knew. He felt it. I'm going to just keep going because I can get into a whole spiel about Shrek right now, but I'm not going to make Mugga uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> no, but I think I watched this, obviously, probably when I was like a teenager. I think it was on TBS or TNT. So like I watched, the first time I watched it was edited heavily. And I had only known Will Smith from Fresh Prince, really. I had seen Independence Day, but even Independence Day was pretty, you know, PG-13-ish, so... He didn't curse a lot or anything, so I knew Will Smith as, you know, Fresh Prince. So I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I liked all the action. And then when I got to see it unedited, like on HBO, I think later on, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I was like really, it weirded me out to see Will Smith cursing. I think hearing him say shit and fuck and all kinds of stuff repeatedly throughout it. I'm I was like, so glad you're saying this because I felt the same I was thing. like, oh, Will Smith. I was like, what, what are we doing, man? Like, what's going on? And even from his rap to everything was so clean. And like even Independence Day, like I, he may have cursed a handful of times, but he's just like, damn. Yeah. Even then, he's pretty PG. Yeah. And I don't know. It kind of freaked me out. I did like the action. There's lots of those, you know, Dutch angles from Michael Bay and stuff like that. But treasure. I, yeah. But I, I remember just being a kid, like I said, teenager. Uh, I liked all the action. I, I enjoyed this movie. I thought the villain was kind of weird just with the accent and stuff. But I thought, you know, originally watching this, just the dynamic between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, I thought they, they made the movie. Like, they made it funny. They made me keep want to keep watching. But again, just I think the biggest thing I remember from watching this, especially unedited, was just watching Will Smith, like, be this rated R actor. I thought it, like, weirded me out. But that's my experience. All right, Muggs, uh, what's your experience? I, I've thought long about this, and I cannot tell you when I first saw this movie. Um, I can, though, pinpoint seeing the trailer. Obviously, it's Bad Boys, and they end the trailer, I believe, with them singing the song. I'm like, of course they are, you know? Yeah. Of course, because I, I, you know, with my family, yeah. I grew up watching that show. Um, so I, I don't know about my experience, so I can't really get into it. I can just remember, like, seeing the trailer, and I think I have to end with that. I, don't, I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times. I do have if we get to it, an experience with Bad Boys 2. But yeah, I I can't remember. I've seen it numerous times. I think it was at Friend's house when I was in the fraternity. I think it would be on or whatnot. But 
I, I cannot pinpoint when I first saw it. So that's my experience. I mean, I, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I remember seeing the trailer when they had the song with them. I mean, I guess that was iconic. I have to throw that word out there one time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, Bling, what's your experience with Bad Boys? So, Bad Boys, I actually saw in theaters. I was in eighth grade, and so I was very excited to see this film because, you know, I, I was a big fan of The Fresh Prince. I was a big fan of Martin. Um, so I was excited to see both of these actors, which I thought were really funny, be on film together. So uh, I've seen this many times throughout the years. It's actually one of the films I've owned on Blu-ray, DVD, and most recently, uh, 4K. So you bought it on 4K? I yeah. bought it on 4K, yes. So great, this is, great purchase. Great purchase. <laughs> so this is a film I, I always watch throughout the years, and I, I know the first time I saw it, I thought it was amazing. Throughout the years, I still enjoy the film, but my perspective has changed, you know, time after time. So, but yeah, otherwise, I, I enjoy the film, and uh, yeah. Holly, what's your experience with Bad Boys? Um, so my experience with Bad Boys is the first time I saw it, I remember it was my older sister's ex-boyfriend loved this movie and it was one of those movies where he found out none of us had seen it and immediately we went out and rented it and we all watched it together and I remember liking it a lot more the first time I saw it because I think it's when you watch it with somebody that like loves the movie and is like excited about it and it kind of is that same feeling of like when you hear a song that somebody loves and you like it a little bit more because that person really likes it. Um, So the first time I saw it, I was probably like 14 or 15. And then I watched it again last night in preparation for this podcast. That's it. So you've only seen it twice? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, My experience with Bad Boys, I remember seeing portions of this movie when I was a little kid. The Will Smith movie that stood out to me the most when I was a kid was Independence Day. 100%. I watched Independence Day over and over and over. Every time we went to Blockbuster, I rented Independence Day almost every single time and I watched the shit out of that movie. So Bad Boys wasn't even on my radar as far Mm -hmm. as Will Smith was concerned. The first time I watched Bad Boys in full, I had seen pieces of it as a kid on TV, but the first time I watched Bad Boys in full was uh, in college when I was at the MGM living with Carlos and all them. So that was the first time I ever watched that movie in full. And um, for this podcast, this is the second time I've ever seen the entire movie. And it's, in full. Yeah, in full. Um, I will say this, though. I thought I owned Bad Boys on DVD because I went through looking at my collection yeah. for it. And I only own Bad Boys 2. And I'll get into it in my Trash and Treasure. But now I know why I don't own Bad Boys. <laughs> that's foreshadowing right there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's that's my experience. So let's get into Trash and Treasure. Jason, why don't you tell us your Trash and Treasure with this movie? I feel bad having any trash for this movie because I really do like it. You feel I don't bad? care what you guys say. Yeah. I don't care what you guys do say. Do you feel bad, boy? <laughs> what are you going to do, Jason? What are you going to do? I'm going to go on with my trash. That's what I'm going to do, dummies. Um, So my first trash is when Marcus and Mike go to the guy's house that sold Fouché the ventilation plans. Mm -hmm. So they get there, the door's not open, and like Mike does this thing, like, oh, I tripped, now it's open, and they go inside. But bigger than that, breaking and entering, bigger than that is that, you know, the guy's dead. He's dead there. Both of them have their guns drawn because they they can smell the rotting corpse, whatever. And they walk in. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith, Mike Lowry just starts touching the body. They totally (laughs) contaminate the crime scene. It's not a secure crime scene. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. Like, he's like, they're touching papers. And, like, Marcus is crawling underneath the desk. I thought they actually touched the corpse, too, right? Well, yeah. Well, there's one part where uh, Will Smith picks up his arm. 
and like pulls one of the papers. I'm just like, oh my god, you cannot do any of no. this. They should have called it in immediately. I thought that was like, oh come on, man. Like try to keep true to you know being a police officer, but it is what it is. Um, again, I'm stretching here because I like this movie. Um, when Mike goes to Max's boss's house, the madam's house, I think is what they refer to it as. I forget uh, the madam's name. Mm-hmm. So when he goes there, initially he knows he notices that the door's open and he walks through it. It's already open. And he calls her back up. He calls her back up right there. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mike Lowry calls her back up. How the fuck does Marcus not know about this? So He asked him, where have you been for the last 12 hours? So fast forward, yeah. exactly. Fast forward. Like 12 hours later, that's where like Will Smith pulls up in the back of the cop car. Marcus is walking up, opens the door for him. He's like, why don't you answer your beef? Why don't you answer your phone? Blah, blah, blah. I know what the fuck you were. And it's like, no, no, no. He called this in. And it's like, they're working the same case. How the fuck does Marcus not know? And also like the same case, but like they're partners. If your partner gets called, I, I mean, I'm not a police officer or anything, but it's just like, I'm pretty sure I would be notified if my partner was yeah. in a situation. Yeah. If Marcus is calling that frequently and that frantic. I mean, I feel like 12 hours is a good amount of time for them to know. And like, he did call in. I don't know. I, I thought that was like a pretty big hole. Again, I talked about it's weird seeing Will Smith, you know, curse and stuff like that after really enjoying Fresh Prince and it being very PG. Um, when Julie grabs one of the guns that's not locked up, I just feel like, come on, like, again, Mike Lowry, you're a cop, like, your shit should be locked up. You should be practicing your gun safety 101. All of the ammunition, the guns, the handcuffs, the key to the handcuffs, everything should be locked up all in that in that cabinet. And she just goes in there and kind of grabs a gun. Well, what if like Yvette stops by, you know? I hope he has a, like, a different set of handcuffs somewhere, but I know what you're saying. Um, Julie just grabs one of the handguns and goes to Club Hell. Why does she show up to Club Hell? Like, what is she thinking? Like, if she's that concerned for her life and she wants to be in, like, witness protection but is unwilling to go to the police station, but she's willing to venture off after Mike and Marcus have left on her own to go to a place called Club Hell to try to confront Fouché with a gun, I just... I don't understand. But the best part about that scene that I wrote down was like she they're in the truck with like the ether and then she's like this is protective custody and I I yelled at the TV. I was like you left. Yeah, like you fucking left. You left. And like, you denied Marcus from taking you to the police station and putting you in protective custody. You right, said no. You right. said you would not do that. But the way that she's like this is protective custody. Yeah. I was like you left. Yeah, you like, were safe in the apartment. Nobody right. knew where the fuck you were. Yeah. It's like club hell. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, you're like, going there intentionally to confront a mob yes a guy that stole drugs from the government and killed your best friend like why okay what do you think is going to happen and the other thing too is just like if you were gonna do that why did you seek out Mike's help in the first place? Like, you should have just got yourself a gun and went after the dude. Why were you so crazy about, I need to get in touch with Mike Lowry and I need to be protected, I don't even trust the station. Like, if you're gonna grab a gun and go straight to them, you should have just fucking just fought them right there when they kill Max. Again, I don't understand, like, the thought process. I, I would imagine she's kind of frantic, she's curious about what happened, she's depressed, all kinds of emotions, but I just, I don't understand that logic. Um, another weird thing is, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when Marcus goes to the restroom, Will Smith, Mike Lowry's kind of chilling at the bar and the girl's like putting her foot in his face or whatever, but he has a beer in his hand. And it's like, you're technically on the job, like probably shouldn't be boozing it up. I don't know. He shouldn't be boozing it. He has a Budweiser right in his hand. Uh, again, same club hell scene. Julie goes up to shoot Fouché. Like it's this like slow motion, kind of the music's going, all that kind of stuff. And then Marcus comes running out and pushes her hand down. I don't know why that bothered me, but I feel like there's a crowd of people around you. 
wouldn't your initial reaction to push her hand up yes. and shoot as opposed to pushing it down? Because she's up. She's at an upward angle the way she's pointing the gun. I feel like you push her hand even more up to shoot towards the ceiling as opposed to down into the crowd. I feel like this should be like officer training 101, but maybe it's not. At the convenience store, you guys already kind of touched on it when they talk about then they demand the tropical fruit bubblicious and some Skittles. You didn't like that? Nope, didn't like it. Um, but you liked the rest of the scene? <laughs> Wait, okay, I'm sorry. Do you like this movie? I do, <laughs> because I do like this. I feel like yeah, I'll get to my treasure. you're picking it more than I did. Yeah. 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 I'll get to my, well, yeah, I'll get to my treasure, don't worry. I'm just saying, I'm trying to be fair here. Mm. Um, Wait, what did you not like about that scene? Just that. The dialogue? Yeah, the, it's, it's completely it, unnecessary. It was, it was improvised, and I get yeah. it, but it's like... A lot of this is yeah. unnecessary, and, this whole no, movie, it, yes. It, it, this is my trash and treasure mugs, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I just didn't like that line. I just feel like they could have done a better job. I feel what like would you, what, if you could rewrite the scene, what would you have, Conductor Lucas? I would have just shot the clerk or something. I don't know. I just not anything. Shot the clerk. <laughs> anything else? Yeah, two two un, un unmarked policemen just taking out civilians. We're just telling them to shut the fuck up, and I don't know something. Not say I want some tropical fruit, bubblicious, and then Martin to take the time and say and some Skittles, and it's just like... Okay, well, he doesn't want to, like, get a candy he doesn't want. Right. You gotta specify what candy Put you do want. Put that shit in the universe. Yeah. Anyway, I just didn't like this scene. Whatever. <laughs> There's a part at the end scene um, where they're at the hangar, and Marcus goes up to shoot one of the, the henchmen, and he pauses and says, you forgot your boarding pass. I didn't like that line. I thought that was pretty cheesy. And then... Uh, I thought you loved all the cheesy one-liners from Con Air. I did. And then my last Holly, trash... Holly, this is his yeah, trash. Yeah, okay. Please, oh, Holly, sorry. please. Let me, let me get in the back seat. Sorry. And then last trash is uh, when Marcus starts reading the Miranda rights while driving. I didn't like that either. Just want to get it out of the way. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh my God. Just <laughs> save it. Totally. What, what, did, <laughs> just what save do you it. like about this movie? Okay, so my treasure. That's uh, like 90 the, minutes of 100... I, I cannot wait to hear what the treasure is. All right, about. so... So the music, I like the score. The score's great. I think, I think it keeps you engaged. I think that, I'm shaking his head, he he's not agreeing with me. But I think the score keeps you engaged. I know that there's a lot of slow motion stuff, but I think it like builds up the intensity. I think after the title screen too, like after they show Bad Boys, I don't know, I like the music. I like that on The Rock too. I, I just enjoy the music in this one. I think the banter between Martin and, and Will Smith, Marcus and Mike, I think that is pretty good, especially in the beginning scene. It was cool to see Tig or Traeger from SOA in it. Three characters I, I did really like was Captain Howard. I thought he did a... I liked him. I thought he was over the top. Yeah, I liked, I, I, I liked him. Yeah, I liked yeah, him. Yeah, I thought he was really I good. Like and I think uh, Marcus's wife, Teresa, I think she did a good job, too. I think she kind of grounded Marcus, like kind of showed where that family man side of him comes from. I think she did a good job. I just thought it was funny when Captain Howard's smoking a cigar while shooting basketball, like we kind of talked about. Um, there's a funny line when Marcus says, I woke up with a Power Ranger stuck in my ass. I thought that was kind of funny. I laughed out loud at that. Uh, I'm just saying, I like this. Why mug. do you like that? Yeah. Mugs? Everybody's got Hold that it, something, please. Mugs. Let him have uh, it. Different uh, strokes, you know? When Mike is messing with Marcus, when he's like, when Mike's talking on the phone to Teresa on the phone at the police station, yeah, it's unnecessary. Yeah. But when he starts to fuck with them, like after Teresa hangs up, I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh. Uh, when the, the store clerk that I earlier said I wish they would have just shot him, when he says mother bitches. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I wrote that down too. <laughs> I thought that was, I was like, I kept dying. He says it like two or three times and I was dying. The whole scene where Marcus gets nervous or kind of jealous when Mike is at his house, like when they kind of traded houses, mm -hmm. again, is it necessary? 
Probably not, but I just think it kind of plays more into like just real human behavior. And he kind of just goes overboard and sneaks over there. Lo and behold, like Fouché's men is watching that same night, watching Marcus's house, and that's how they capture them. But I don't know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, when Teresa shows up at Mike's apartment, that whole scene of like Yvette coming in and then, ter- no, it wasn't Yvette. Um, it was it was right before the shootout happens in the lobby of the apartment complex. It was Teresa. Saying, was it uh, Teresa? Yeah, you're right. The Teresa, yeah, yeah, Teresa right, comes yeah. and uh, they try to explain what's going on and she sees Julie and it just like creates this whole weird tension. I, I like that. I know you guys are gonna hate on me so bad right now. But I thought the foot chase was cool. I, you mother bitch. I know. I know it's super. I even put it in here. The music is good, but I know it gets super cheesy. But I, I still feel like with the music, it's pretty intense. I can already feel Mugga right here now next to me and Kerwin <laughs> and everyone. And maybe this is just from when I was a kid. I thought like this movie was pretty cool. I don't know. And then the last thing was um, kind of what Kerman already touched on. I just thought it was interesting that uh, Will Smith wouldn't be topless. He wore a shirt half open. But... Anyway, I don't know if that's a trash or treasure. I just kind of wrote that in here. I thought the movie was good, so I think I gave half trash. And I mean, I feel like I'm just really the odd man out here at this table. So I'll leave it at that. Maga, tell us how you feel about this movie. Can I, before I get into my <laughs> trash or treasure, can I just say I think it's fair to assess that Jason likes bad boys more than I like Oblivion. I mean, I mean, come on, like really. Jason has never pulled me into a room to show me bad boys, so I still feel like you've I think got the still edge on no this. one on the planet. Likes <laughs> I don't know anything more than you like Oblivion. That's true. Uh, I wish I loved anything as much, and that's heard, a compliment. You heard my trash list. I gave it some fair criticism. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you're right. I'm gonna start with my treasure. Um, first, I love the whole me being a sports fan. John Sally being on the bad boys in there. I thought that was a great reference, all that stuff. I love the heist at the beginning. I I don't like how they set it up. They kill a fake cop and the entire police force leaves this one area where there's one guy who's incompetent to watch screens, you know, and they can, but whatever, you know. Um, But I I did like that. I thought it was kind of giving me that the rock, you know, like ish, you know, like I loved that. I know you guys might talk shit about this, but I love the Michael Bayisms, the low angles, you yeah, know, I the, hated the it. slow motion panoramic of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. It's the '90s campiness. Yeah, I, no, I, it's I, Michael I Bayisms. It. I said Bayism, I, Bayism, I all movie. Um, I'm with you on this one. I, I do like that they did give them a lot of improv, which is really going to be weird because it does go into a lot of my trash, though. But I love how they gave them freedom. But I do like that they were literally mad at each other for certain scenes and how Michael Bay planted that seed, let them get the tension going. So when you see it, it's really them going at it. But I really got to go into my trash now. Um, I I don't like it at the very beginning because I know that this was done at the end and I probably, them seeing the bad boys, I just don't need that. I don't need that at all. Um, I get that there's product placement. There's a lot of product placement in this movie that does not bother me as much as I think they placed moments between Will and Martin Lawrence to like go ahead and do the improv. And sometimes it works, but sometimes I just feel like it's just not necessary in this movie. Um, couple instances. When he's telling his wife, or he's talking to his wife on another phone, he tells like another agent or police officer, I forget what it was, to screw you. And then he has to go in and explain. I don't know. I just don't like, I don't know why we're talking about 
about that. The different lifestyles of how like he's a family man and Will Smith's a Miami playboy and then they both, it just, I don't know. I don't, the whole masseuse part, do you guys, anyone like the masseuse part where he kicks the girl out, you know? <laughs> like, why is this in there? Like, to, so, so they can both just go at it with each other. Yeah. When uh, Will Smith picks up the phone when he's with Martin Lawrence's wife and then like they keep saying like, oh, put it in or yeah. I'm just like, why? Like, and, and then he gets all mad and, and, and the one part I really hate when they're breaking into that house and they they act like they're can we, we came to borrow some brown sugar. No, like uh, there's no point. I, I hated that part. <laughs> and I didn't like the whole switching back and forth. Like I don't like how, I just, there's a lot of stuff where I think they gave them freedom, which I kind of like, but then I thought it was just not controlled very well. Yeah, that's my, that's my trash, but yeah, that's all I got. All right, Bling, what's your trash and treasure with this movie? You guys touched on a lot of things, but uh, the first thing I want to say is my trash is, this story is ridiculous, okay? Let's be honest. Uh, when you compare it to other buddy cop genre films, Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, I mean, a lot of the stuff is kind of the same stuff, but it's not done any better. So I, you could say this, this story is just ridiculous. And after watching it throughout the years, it gets even more ridiculous over time. Um, one of the things that really bothered me was Marcus has to pretend to be Mike to get this you know, eyewitness to come with him to kind of give her testimony. I didn't really understand why they had to keep the charade going once they got her to the safe house. It didn't make any sense. Like, okay, we're in a safe place now. I'm not really Mike, but they kept the charade going for as long as, I don't know, what, what did you guys think about that? I think, yes, say I'm Mike Laurie to get her to trust you, and then take her to Mike's apartment, right? Yeah. And then just be like, hey, I had to lie to you to tell you to get here, but this is Mike Laurie, yeah. and I'm putting you in his apartment. I don't know where he is right now. He's yeah. investigating the case, yeah. but I will set you up with him as soon as he's available. And that's all you really had to do. Yeah, right. Do you, do you think Julie is kind of dumb? Like, yes. it takes her so long <laughs> to, to realize like, yeah. or to put it together, you know what I mean? Well, when the wife shows up, she, I does. Mean, she, she does say, like, yeah, I figured. And yeah. I think she was kind of onto it from the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah I think so, but it she, felt like, like it took, had, took a long time. Yeah, she does play into it a lot. Like, she was like really believing Yeah, it. but I didn't like, feel like, why did he keep the charade going? Like it didn't really serve the movie aside from some comedic moments. Yeah, and I think her character is portrayed as kind of being aware of the fact that she's being duped once she meets Will Smith's character. She's kind of like, okay, this is the guy that's in all these photos. Yeah. Clearly cops don't have shrines to each other. And then even when she teases Marcus about, you know, having sex, she knows what she's doing. Like yeah. she realizes like these guys are swapped. And even on the bridge too, when all the explosion goes down with the ether truck too, she and like Will Smith comes up to her and kind of consoles her, yeah. and she's like, "Well, I thought he was supposed to be the cool, the cool swab one, yeah, and he seems so out of yeah. his element." So yeah, stuff like that bothered me. The other thing was uh, all the gunshots. It felt so fake. I don't know if it's post editing or just something about the '90s sound, but all the gunshots just felt like this doesn't seem real at all. So yeah, it is kind of weird too because I watched that video when they're talking about like sparks coming off and different things. They're like I, yeah, that doesn't really happen. And I'm watching this, I'm like, it's all over the place. Like you just like the guys that were doing the behind the special effects and the shooting stuff. They're like saying verbatim like, hey, there's not really a lot of sparks that happen. This doesn't happen, and then it's in there. It's kind of it's yeah. Kind in of that uh, in that video, yeah, he says like, oh, this is a car door, and all our shots have sparks. But if you really shoot a car door, it just makes a little tiny hole yeah. and a bigger hole on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And then and all then of a sudden, it. and then all of a sudden in the movie, you see tons of sparks. And, and I think this is the birth of Bayism, honestly. <laughs> it might be. There's some early Bayisms, for so, sure. So, I mean, yeah, those are my two big trashes. My treasures, I we all agree, the chemistry and charisma between Martin Lawrence and uh, Will Smith. I can even take it further. I think 
I, I know we know Will Smith is a bigger Hollywood star, but I think Martin Lawrence actually played the better role in this film. Well, he got I, Todd I think, Billing in this. I movie. thought he was a better paid actor in this, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. at the time, like he was a bigger star because, like, yeah, Will Smith was rapping and had done like three other movies and had a show. He's yeah. a great but, artist. But in that Martin aspect. Lawrence also had a show, his stand up. Yeah. Like Martin Lawrence was like established, the, yeah, the bankable. And he's, star. But he was he, also doing movies. Wasn't he, he in Blue Streak? And there was another one. No, too, no, that, that came after. That but Blue Streak was after. But he's he's been in a bunch of other movies prior to Bad Boys. So, and I thought that he just, his comedic performance was just funny. Like, you know, his interactions with Julie, he's got pretend to be Mike Lowry and he's just like totally out of his element. He's not smooth. Uh, he's got to explain why he's got a bunch of pictures of his partner and, his, and it's just like, nah, nah, I'm Mike Lowry. And like, I'm, you know, it's not like that. That's your treasure. <laughs> you like that? I, I liked it. It was, it was, I thought it was funny. It was kind of like, it was improvised. I thought it was really, when you look at this film, Will Smith didn't really have any like big scenes. I thought where it was like, wow, we get to finally see him kind of act. And he was kind of really kind of serious in this film. And then my last treasure I'll, I'll, I'll touch on is, yeah, just the last, probably was it 30 minutes with the whole explosions, the airport. The hangar scene, right? The hangar now. scene, yeah, the, the chase scene. It's just so over the top that I'm entertained. So I'll just give that whole final scene. I thought it was amazing. All right. Holly, what's your trash and treasure? So I'll start off with my trash. I think it has a lot of the same feedback that I gave The Rock. I think you have two really great actors. And after I watched this movie, I kind of looked at what the critics said, what Michael Bay said, and I was like, thank God I'm not the only one. Because like I said, the first time I saw this movie was with somebody that genuinely loved this movie and thought it was amazing. And rewatching it, I was like, this movie is kind of crap. But I'm glad to see that a lot of people feel the same way when you have that much talent, when you have that much charisma. The script was complete basura. One scene that I really wrote down that really bothered me is when they when he was pretending to be Mike Lauer and he was taking that call from Julie and he's like covering up the mouthpiece, but he's like, pretend to be, they're like screaming into the phone and they're like covering the mouthpiece. I'm like, guys, she can, she can still hear you. Like, it's not that good. Um, again, along the lines of the Marcus character, I know that it was like trying to be funny, but the fact that he was like trashing his marriage the entire movie... <laughs> but then simultaneously like trying to win back his wife. It was just weird for me. Um, Taya Leone's character, the whole protective custody thing bothered me. The fact that she was kind of painted in that 90s action girl, like didn't wear a pair of pants the entire movie, was like constantly in a short skirt running around. And what about that she was gonna go with her friend to be an escort or whatever it is for like I the 20, she, yeah. whatever it was like, who's like, yeah, I wanna go with you. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I didn't oh, they get had, that either. They like, had I thought plans. you guys were gonna bring that up, yeah. No, 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 they had plans and she's like, oh, she's not a working girl or she's not employed with us and then she ended up coming anyway. Well, Maxine even said that, it's like, oh, just come with me for 10 minutes and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah. But it's just like knowing what What's the type of work, yeah. yeah, like you That's know true. the types of shit that you're putting your friend into. Like you know the types of individuals that you're gonna bring her around. Why would you even put her in that kind of danger to begin with? Right. Like right. not every call girl. No, she's not a call girl. No. She's an escort. But it's just like not every escort session is gonna be ten minutes. And if this guy's on drugs, because I think the madam says like he speedballed out of his mind, probably means you're gonna have to deal with a lot more shit. Yeah. My other thought on that was because I was really thinking about this too. Was like you know Mike had spoke to her too to kind of feel out if there's anyone you know yeah. spending money unusually or maybe has drugs around them. 
So maybe this really was something where she was going to go in and really just observe the situation, get a feel for it and say, hey, I'm uncomfortable. Goodbye. Maybe that was her intent just to see so she could report back to Mike and say, hey, like, cross this one off. It's not this guy. Well, because she followed up with Lois Fields, her boss, and was like, do we know anybody? And she's like, well, in fact, this guy's been calling nonstop trying to get somebody. And that's the thing, too. It's just like Mike says, if you hear anything, let me know. But I don't want you going around getting into trouble. The first thing this girl does is like ask her madam, like, are there any guys out looking for for girls that have made a ton of money recently? Like, one, you're putting yourself out there as looking suspicious. It's just like, what if your madam turns snitch when one of these guys is coming around? Let's say you did survive that night. And then, you know, your madam snitches on you and says like, yeah, one of my girls was asking about you guys. It's just like Mike said, tell me if you hear or see anything. Not go looking looking for for shit. Yeah. Why? Did she really go look for it? She was looking for shit because she asked her boss straight up. Has anybody like come into a lot of money? Yeah. Is this specific type of person that Mike Lowry's telling me to stay away from out there and available for me to link up with? That's literally what she's doing. She's touching the stove. Okay. She's touching okay, the stove. Okay, so she is doing that, but yeah. it, it kind of says then, okay, I understand why now she's taking Julie there because it's literally supposed to be like you sight and see and then get the get the hell out no, of No, but there. the problem is, is just like she knows she's dealing with somebody that Mike's telling her to stay away from and she opts to take her friend with her. Not a smart decision. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. Thanks guys for arguing that out. Um, so no, I just, I felt like her character the whole time, like she was, I just, I became annoyed with her after like the club hell scene. And I never oh. like to feel that way with female protagonists where I'm like, I'm just genuinely annoyed. But like everything that she did mm-hmm. was just kind of like, why are you doing this? Why would you, again, why would you leave protective custody in a safe apartment and like go to club hell and like try to shoot somebody when you don't know what you're doing and then complain once you're in custody again. And, and now that you guys say it now that I'm thinking about it and I'm marinating on it I don't know if this is a trash but the way that she was talking about Marcus who was really Will Smith mm-hmm. as a married man she's just like oh like they might like they must be getting it in right now like that whole conversation when they're like laying in bed mm-hmm. that didn't bother anybody else oh she's trying to she's basically like poking the bear a little bit right yeah. like she was just like she was just talking about a married man like oh like I bet they're like it, I don't know, it just made me, I didn't like it. I, that made me sound like that she was just attracted to Will Smith. Right. I think it's, I think it's just, she just knows that they switch places. And That's she what, just, you, yeah. as soon as yeah. you said that, I'm like, now I'm like, maybe she was fucking with him, but I wrote it down. I'm like, she's talking about a married dude, like getting it in with his wife and that's weird. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, script was basic. I would have liked more character exposition on the bad guy so I can understand like He's his kind of history, mystery, huh? his motives, yeah. like what his background is, why he wants to steal drugs from the government. He's just a generic bad guy. That's why. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. but with a movie like this, like I remember loving Bad Boys too. But like yeah. Bad really? Boys, I'm watching wow. this again and I'm just like, I have no idea what this bad guy's about. I have no idea what his motive is. Like, he's just the token foreign bad guy. Why are you laughing? They're laughing at me. Why? Because I I don't, we'll we'll get to it. You said, (laughs) oh, bad boys too. And I'm like, no. He does not like bad boys too. I'm sorry, I fell asleep in only two movies in the theater. One was Dude, Where's My Car? The other one was Bad Boys 2. Another great movie. Excellent. Film. Okay, come on, man. And that's why, like, I, I, when you guys are like, I want to review, I've seen Bad Boys a couple times. I was like, I didn't want to watch this movie again. So one of my treasures wasn't even in this movie. Like, I, But you were awake know. through that scene. So there's the silver yeah. lining of that. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, the movie in general is just poorly written. And they had so much potential with the acting. Um, treasure, their chemistry, and the other treasure that I had was their one-liners just throughout the movie. I love a good one-liner. 90s action movies, if you guys don't know that. But that's it. 
Tyson. What's your uh, trash or treasures? I think I'm gonna start with my treasure first. Um, I do like the shot of the plane flying over the Miami sign. I think it's a, a great shot. And uh, it does remind me of that song by Ying Yang Twins, uh, What's Happening, featuring Trick Daddy, <laughs> when it's like, Miami! Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, hey, so uh, hey. I did like that. It's Jason's ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, did, I did laugh a couple times when Will and uh, Martin Lawrence walk into the house and they're just like, don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. We're wondering if <laughs> we could borrow Take that bass out of your voice and scares white <laughs> like people. That? Yeah. I, I left. I'm sorry. <laughs> I left, dude. I'm sorry. Um, the movie doesn't really pick up steam until they switch places because then you get the actual humorous elements and you finally get to see these guys in their natural element. I feel like this movie spends a lot of time wasting their talents and it takes us so long to get to the identity switch that when you finally get there, you're like, thank God, because I needed something to, to keep this movie going. And I think that's where you get most of the improv. That's where you get most of the interaction with the characters. That's where you get most of the genuine humor from, you know, a single guy going to a married house, married guy going to the single life. So I did appreciate the humor uh, during that part of the film. And I think that's honestly the best part of the film, to be honest. I did laugh when uh, Yvette shows up to the apartment and uh, Martin Lawrence kicks her out. And then Will Smith is just like, Yvette is a masseuse. She massages me. Like, I laughed at that part. I thought that was pretty funny. I actually laughed. I thought it was pretty funny when Marcus is having that fight behind the aquarium and Will Smith is just talking to, like, one of the the dancers or whatever. He's looking at one of the dancers and all you can see is Marcus getting his ass beat by this dude through the glass. It's, like, canned humor, but, like, for whatever reason, it worked for me in that moment. Um, I did like when they went to go see JoJo and Will Smith is threatening to, like, blow his brains out. And then uh, Marcus is like... I don't want no brain fragments on me. That shit gets everywhere and it stinks. I, I laughed at that part. I, I actually did laugh. I actually did like the part where Marcus is reading the Miranda rights ahead of time. In the car? Yeah, because like when they're when they're playing chicken, Will Smith is just like, what the fuck are you doing? And then the response is perfect. He's just like, I'm just getting it out of the way. Like if, if that didn't happen, I would have just been like, why the fuck are you saying this? Nobody can hear you. Yeah. Will Smith is just me in that situation. Like, why the fuck are you saying this shit? And I thought that was... It was pretty hilarious when he's just like, I'm getting it out of the way. So I thought that was pretty funny. The soundtrack is great. The score is terrible. The score is fucking awful. Oh, like, Jason's oh, mad. Yeah, the score sucks. I, I, like, I hate this shit. It's trash. Um, but I, I do like the soundtrack. Oh, um, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to let you guys know. I'm sitting next to Corona and I'm looking over at his notes and his trash is lengthy. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm, bu- I'm bummed you don't like the score. You don't think it keeps you engaged. Holy crap. You don't think it's... No. It's awful. Okay. I hate it. But I you did it. like the soundtrack, right? The soundtrack is cool. I hate the score. You like Shy Guy? Is it? Yeah. I, I like I like I like I like the soundtrack. The score is trash. See, I think I always interchange those two when I talk about that stuff. I, I don't know much about the sound but the score was I think I I like the score personally. Uh, mm. um, okay. <laughs> Basura. Um so getting into my trash, I think the color grading in this movie looks fucking terrible. The beginning too, right? All all yeah. the color grading looks awful. It's Either this like dookie orange color yeah. or it's this like old diarrhea blue color, like the entire movie. It's just like when it's daytime, it's fucking muddy ass like, orange. Let's go back to diarrhea, diarrhea blue. blue. I don't, Can you I don't reference blue or diarrhea as I'm being just, a color. I'm just trying to keep it dookie. Dookie flavor. Or the dookie orange? I get that. I actually agree blue? with the dookie orange, but the diarrhea blue. No, it's just like, it's just what so. What are you eating? G- fruit gushers. Okay. <laughs> there no, we go. But, um, 
<laughs> no, but like the color grading in this movie is fucking terrible. It's like this ugly ass, like heavy saturated orange, or it's this super ultramarine blue. And it switches between the two. There are some instances where it's just natural light and you get like the raw color of the scene. But the movie just looks so ugly and muddy throughout the movie. And on top of that, turn off the goddamn fog machine or the dry ice machine or whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck you got. Everywhere there's smoke. And I'm just like, people are just vaping nonstop in this fucking movie. (laughs) It smells like kiwi in here. It's so stupid. It's just like everywhere there's just smoke and haze and bullshit and I'm like yo this movie cost 19 million 18 million of that shit was used on smoke and I don't fucking understand what's happening um I don't like Julie Taya Leone's performance doesn't match this film I feel like she should be in a more serious version of this movie I feel like if you're gonna make her play the straight character she needs to have some sort of appropriate comedic timing to play off of these two guys and I don't like the fact that she's just thinking out loud the entire movie. She's almost incompetent, huh? Yeah, she's she's yeah. thinking out loud the entire movie. Like, oh, that's rich. Oh, I can't believe that's happening. What this do is you protective know? custody. This is, yeah, she's thinking out loud the entire movie. And it's just like, let us experience the yeah. film. I feel like she's useless. Once they find out who Fouché is or where these guys are, they, they don't need, need her. her. Yeah, they don't need her well, anymore. And that's why. Yeah. Why don't the bad guys ever, when they actually capture, just kill her? Just like, kill her. Like they, they, you're no use to this at all. You know, like I don't know why like, they don't why, just kill her. Why hold her hostage? Because they don't know that the cops know that their deal is going down right. in four hours. So you just kill her and then move on. Yeah. Like, how do they know that the cops know that their deal is going down? As soon as you find her, kill her. I don't fucking understand why she's even around after they find out about Club Hell. Yeah. Like after they find out about Club Hell, done. Take her away, put her in safe custody with the police department, whatever. I thought that was pretty shitty. I'm sorry. Like I think she she's great. I think in uh, that show, Madam Secretary, mm-hmm. like she's a great actor. But I in this movie, I, I dislike her. She's character. underutilized. Can she's, we just say that? Like she's she's just not like, and that's like the issue with this whole movie is that you have all these amazing actors, but you don't do shit with them. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like in another movie in a more serious version of this, I think she would play a lot better, but she just doesn't fit with the absurdity of this film. Right. Yeah, I I think she's really trying, but it's just not working. Titty, titty, strutty, strutty at the beginning of the movie. I laughed at that, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know why it's in my trash column. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This movie, when they rob the precinct, this movie cuts way too quickly. Not a single cut is longer than like three seconds, I feel like. It's just like, cut to this, cut to this, cut to that. It's hard to tell what's going on, really. How it even works. Like, how does that mechanism inside the ventilation, because like, in order for them to pull it back, you'd have to have something to pull it forward. Right. And I don't feel like you get all of that in those shots. I agree with you. It cuts too quickly. I I like that. Yeah, like for for an intricate type of heist, you need to create some sort of a uh, geography of the situation. And when you keep cutting all the time, the audience has no idea what the fuck is going on. So I'm watching this scene where they're stealing all the fucking heroin or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Like, this is a worse version of the break-in scene from The Rock. Thank God he got this one wrong so that when he did The Rock, he got that one right. Because I feel like those scenes are very similar. Yeah. So, like, I will say that this is a worse version of that. Um, why do you have to freeze the lock? Bolt cutters work either way. You saw when they, like, <laughs> were spraying cool. the shit on it. Yeah. I thought that was kind of whack. When they're, like, rolling the fucking drugs down the, the tube or whatever, the duct, all I could think about was fucking uh, Cool Runnings. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and when Val Kilmer and Batman Forever gets in the little tube and, like, rides down the chute to uh, the Batcave. Yeah. That's all I could think about. Will Smith doesn't know what cojones means. 
like you live in Miami and also that's just general United States North American slang anyway so I was kind of like with the other two guys on that um, Martin Lawrence can't bench 185 when he's at the gym like that's that's <laughs> I lightweight I was pretty surprised by that too yeah, yeah I was just like that's kind of whack um, but getting into the humor I feel like a lot of the humor is juvenile I feel like a lot of it's not well written maybe it's improv maybe it's not but I feel like a 12 year old wrote a lot of the jokes in this movie where there's just like a lot of fucks and a lot of shits and a lot of like your mom jokes and all that other shit not a lot of the humor is smart or thoughtful enough thought out right yeah Yeah, and it's it's just it's just very base it's just very base humor it's just like let's just cuss as much as we can Uh, Fouché could have easily been replaced by Tommy Wiseau at any time during the movie (laughs) yeah when Taya Leone jumps off the fucking hotel roof or whatever, I'm pretty sure she landed in the shallow end. I um, thought so too. I was like, what? And even if it was an eight foot pool, she would have died anyway. She yeah. would have hit the fucking bottom of that pool. So one of my biggest trashes with this movie is like, we talk about the stars and yeah, we know the script is total shit, but I feel like the way this movie is written, you never get a sense of, do these guys like each other or do they not? Because some scenes, they're both the serious guy and the straight man some scenes they're both humorous and they get completely along some scenes they antagonize each other and they get along completely then we find out that they have this whole history and that you know mike is fully welcome to come into marcus's house whenever he pleases and his kids call him uncle mike and he's friends with his wife and all that other shit what the fuck is their relationship in this movie because we're not taking two cops from opposite ends of the spectrum and putting them together. We're taking two cops that are lifelong friends and they just hate each other. Like none of that shit makes sense in this story. Yeah, I was gonna say, I wanna, I wanna kinda get, pick your brain on this one. So like when they're in the car and he's talking shit about him being a trust fund baby, like I was like, if you guys are lifelong friends, this wouldn't be a conversation that you'd be having. And I kinda wondered the same thing. Like in the beginning, I felt like um, Martin Lawrence's wife, Teresa, didn't like Mike at all. Was like, don't tell my kids those nasty, raunchy sex stories. Then when he was living with them, all of a sudden they were like they're, family. They're best yeah, friends. they're best friends. And so it was just a lot of inconsistencies with that. He I shows didn't, up for breakfast. Right. Like he gets a plate. The kids are like Uncle Mike. Like, right. And then we talk about this whole trust fund baby shit. It's like, so I'm thinking like, okay, so maybe that's where the disparity is. Like maybe, you know, Marcus came up, you know, middle class or poor and Mike was rich and maybe that's where they butt heads. But the fact is like you're saying, Holly, they've known each other forever. They've right. been partners for a while. Uh, Joe Pantoliano, he says like, hey, do what you guys do and get it done. He trusts them to get shit done, meaning they've been successful together for right. a long time. So I don't understand where all this shit is coming from or where where this conflict between the two main characters is coming from or even if it's warranted in this story. Yeah, well, I'm just saying another thing too is like, if they're really lifelong friends and best friends, Martin Lawrence shouldn't have had that scene where he got super jealous of Mike, like thinking that he's doing his wife. Like if that's your lifelong friend and your lifelong best friend, you would trust them with your spouse. You would never think that. Right. Yeah. You would never think that at all. So I, I don't fucking understand. Yeah. It's um, inconsistent. But yeah. I, I get what you're saying, at least on that part about yeah. the jealousy part. But I feel like, you know, he has a lot of money like Mike does and like he's on his own and then marcus has this whole family and there may be rocky points or anything like that with the family and in an instance where he's like feeling down he sees mike in his porsche with his house where he gets to go home on his own and have all these chicks all the time he's probably like fuck like 
he might lash out and say, well, you're a trust fund baby. I mean, I could see that happening Yeah, I understand. Too. At the thought of like losing your job, like, look, this hits home for me. Like, this is my only source of income. Like, I've got a family. You've got a trust fund. Like, I get it coming up in that situation, but like to be lifelong friends with somebody and like have the kind of dynamic that they have, it's just weird. And also, it's not relevant to the plot at all. It right. never, no, it never no, it impacts doesn't. the plot. Mm-hmm. No. One of my other trashes is just like, why not just make Julie another escort? Like, there's yeah. nothing about this movie that says she couldn't just be another escort. Right. Well, because they say that she's an like a photographer, but that never once comes up again. Yeah, and like, and my biggest problem too is like her intro because it's just an info dump. Like, I'm I'm literally gonna read you the dialogue from that scene when they're walking in that courtyard or whatever. You know, can I play a part? You can be, <laughs> you can be, uh, you can be Max. All right. Okay. You got it from here. All right. I'll be Julie party at the Biltmore. That'll really rock. Okay, Julie, I owe you one. Forget about it. I'll just deduct it from the hundreds of favors I already owe you. Am I turning into the guest that won't leave? I'm an out-of-work photographer that doesn't know how to cook. I mean, not a big upside for you there. So what incredibly hip individual inspired this incredibly hip visit to the Biltmore? It's a favor from Mike Lowry. Oh, right. The cop. The cop who I think you're in love with? Well, maybe I am, but we're just friends. And if I were ever in trouble, he's the only person I would call. Yeah, I know. I know. I think I've heard this before. None of this shit needs to be in the fucking movie. <laughs> like, you got to see their facial expressions while they're doing that. At first, I was like, where did Kermit and Holly go? You know? <laughs> like, none of this I'm shit needs escort, to be in the though. fucking movie. Like, if she's an out-of-work photographer, make her occupation... A part of the movie, yeah. like right. make that relevant like to the movie. Like she got a picture of the yeah. Biltmore, and she got a picture of the guy that did it. Like and anything, just, just everything about this scene is a terrible intro and just a fucking unashamed like info dump, and it's it's fucking stupid. I, I fucking hate her intro. The other thing too is um, labeling hazardous material to let you know it's hazardous <laughs> right before it explodes. Especially so, in the hangar. <laughs> yeah, so like when Martin Lawrence says like you forgot your boarding pass and he shoots the ether barrels, like the camera zooms in and it says ether in big ass red letters. And there's another point where like one of the barrels rolls into something and it explodes and the camera zooms in right as the barrel rolls and you could see ether in big red letters and then it explodes. And when they're in the uh, the ice cream truck or whatever, the delivery truck, like it zooms in where it says hazardous material, flammable. It's just like, we, we get it. Like, we, we understand. Con Air did it better. My last thing is, like, this movie's plot is never resolved. Right. Because um, we never learn about internal affairs. Is everybody still demoted or transferred to desk work? Like, what's the deal? Like, Marcus just kind of walks off and handcuffs the two together. We don't even know if they like each other. They had no chemistry. Yeah, they had zero chemistry at all. So I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, Marcus hasn't talked to his wife and explained to her the situation after they got shot at. What the fuck is up with this plot? It just ends. So that's my trash of treasure with this movie. I haven't seen Bad Boys 2 and saw it. I saw it in theaters. Have they? Did they clear up any of those loose ends at the beginning, or you, they no, just go right into gone. another movie? She's yeah. gone. Oh wow. Yeah. So let's get into our ticket prices. Uh, we're going to tell you how much we would pay to watch Bad Boys. Jason, why don't you tell us how much you would pay to watch this movie? So I'm not guessing, but I kind of know. Like I think I like this movie the most out of this table right now. However many holes, however much is campy or cliche or mm-hmm. whatever bullshit you guys are going to say, but um, I think I'm going to give it a ten. Um, I that think, was actually lower than I thought you were going to go. Yeah. No, no, no. I think I think ten is probably the highest I could go on it. What'd you give The Rock? Fifteen. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, th- and this is not The Rock, so I, I understand that. I understand there's probably something just from you know me being younger and enjoying the movie. I enjoy Will Smith a lot too. I think the chemistry between him and Martin again. I, I 
I rewatched this uh, yesterday, so it didn't take me four hours to watch it like some of us here at the table. It only took me the length of the movie. So I watched it one sitting and I had fun with it. I kind of understood what it was, how old it is. I like some of the action in it. Uh, unlike some of the stable, I enjoyed the score as well. But I think that overall, like it kind of fits that genre of like that 90, that mid 90s, especially like action movie. Um, and I think the added element that kind of bumps it from a five to a 10 for me is just the element of the interaction between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, just because I think it's it's comical. There's some funny one-liners. Again, all the other outlying characters didn't do a whole lot for me, except for maybe, I forget his name, Captain Howard. Um, he I thought he was pretty funny in it. But um, from Julie to Fouché, everyone else was kind of just outlier characters for me. But I think really it's um, those three that really put it from a five to a 10. So I'm gonna give it a 10. Mugga, how much are you paying? I've already seen this movie a couple times, but when we were going to review it, I didn't even want to watch it again. I, I have to go zero. I, I just do not. I don't want to watch it. I don't. I don't like it. I. I don't know. I, I, there's things I respect about it, but I just. I don't know. I just don't like this movie. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it a zero. All right, Bling. How much are you paying to watch this movie? Um, I, I kind of agree with Jason. I would pay ten dollars to see this film because I mean, granted, when it came out. I thought this was like a $20 film, but throughout the years, it, it hasn't aged well. Let's just be frank with that. So, yeah, I agree. yeah it's so, I mean, um, but yeah, $10, like I said, the ridiculousness of the film, the explosions, the Michael Bayisms of it, there's just the 90s, like I said, the campiness of it, but um, yeah, $10. All right, Holly, what about you? This is the tough one. Um, I'm not going to be as mean as Maga with a zero, um, but I'm going to give it $5, I think. I think that's, that's good enough for what it is. I don't know, man. Like, I love the humor between the two actors, but if I got to be completely honest with you, like, I never want to watch this movie again. And and now I realize there is a reason why, A, I don't own this fucking movie, and B, it took me four hours to watch it. I had to, like, leave the room a couple times because I, I couldn't stay focused on it. Wait, I missed the four-hour story. Yeah, it took me four hours to watch this movie yesterday. Why? I just, I just, I kept zoning out and not paying attention, and I was like, I got to pause this and leave pause this and leave i'd rather be doing something else right now i i could not sit, i could not sit through this movie for two hours and watch it straight i could not do it i, I was not huh. engaged like i wasn't engaged until they switched roles and then that's when i started paying attention right. because then the humor got me mm-hmm. and i would love to say like i'd pay five just to watch the interactions between these two because i love these two stars but if we're talking about this movie like i don't i'm perfectly fine not ever watching this movie again so i'll give this movie a zero so that's $25 rating. Between the five of us, you divide that, it's $5 that we're going to give this thing. I Do I have to watch Bad Boys 2? I only saw it one time when I fell asleep. Is it that much better? Because I, re- yes. I think that... Bad I was Boys like, this 2 is way better than Bad Boys I'll have one. to watch way that better. one again. Cause yeah. I love Bad Boys 2. Isn't it about yeah. like the sister or someone that Will Smith is... Yeah, it's uh, and he gets she gets captured by the Mexican, like the Cuban drug lord. And I fell asleep in it, and but yeah, I I, and I just like I so I didn't like the first one. I fell asleep, and that's why maybe I have a bad, but maybe I'll try Bad Boys Two again. But I I just I don't even want to watch this movie. I think you're gonna like that one either, person. Really? No. I, th- I think there's there's a lot more action scenes than Bad Boys Two, and there's a, and that's the last thing this thing needs is more action. Uh, it just it's it's more ridiculous. This really, but I feel like I feel it. like the plot is definitely more. But you like number more, two, right? Yeah, I love right? number two. Okay, but I feel like the thing that's wrong with this movie is like one, it completely wastes the actors' talents. 
Two, it can't decide what tone it wants to maintain. Mm-hmm. The villain sucks, number three. And then number four, like, this script is all over the place. And it's one right. of those films where it's just like, this is cool. Put it in there. Yeah, put it yeah. in there. But it's not organic to the story. Yeah. Like, none of the shit that happens. Yeah, there are moments where, oh, this is funny. Like, the phone call or, you know, the uh, talking about Will Smith being at home with Marcus's wife or whatever. Right. Like, there are bits that are funny, but it's just kind of like... They don't all line up in this narrative, in this story that we're telling yeah. telling the audience. And I feel like it's just so disjointed, so unfocused, and it's just like I can't watch a movie like that. I can't do it. Yep. Yeah. But I will I will say one thing though. They kept saying Mike's apartment a lot, and all I could think about was the porn site. So <laughs> Was that that's a porn site? Is that a porn site? What? Yeah, Mike's oh, yeah, porn. OG porn site. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I <laughs> you guys okay, are both perverts. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I think this is, that was pre-Brazzers. That was pre-Brazzers, I think, yeah. That was like with Milf Hunter, yeah. 8th Street Latinas, yeah. all that Clutching shit. Clutching my pearls, you two. Was it 40-inch plus? I think, I think that was 56K. Big, big okay, size. anyways. Okay. <laughs> big sausage pizza. What else yeah. did we have? Uh, we live together. Maga's blushing. Was it Reality Kings? This, this was like All right, this is, this You're going to edit this out, right? <laughs> we'll no, see. Maybe. So, uh, Mugga, how much are we paying to watch this? Five dollars. All right. Tom Cruise plays the boss. I agree. No. Tom Cruise plays the villain. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Tom yeah. Cruise plays Chet, the dorm the guy. Dorm. Okay, yo, <laughs> fucking. Marcus tells you to watch the fucking desk and you let Yvette up. Like, really? How the fuck does Yvette get up well, there? Do you, have you seen Yvette? I would let her up. <laughs> Did he get a massage? Is that how she got up I there? I mean... Maybe she lives on the same floor. Maybe. Yvette doesn't live there, does she? They don't specify. Well, she is a masseuse. She's so. walking in lingerie. You think she's walking through the fucking front door wearing that? She's wearing a true. trench coat. I thought it was like a silk robe or a kimono. It was like a, a kimono. silk see-through fucking thing. I don't it's think like she's walking kimono, like right? that. Yeah. She's hot, but yeah. She's I would <laughs> love a massage from her. her yeah. yeah. All right, so we out. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening. What the fuck is this dude's name? Checky? Checky. Oh, ASAP Checky? Like, <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Checky? Checky, I think. Checky? Might be Checky. Does he go to Checky Cheese? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right. And it's produced by uh, Don Simpson and Jesus fucking Christ. Like that. Mo- Jesus oh. Christ produced this? <laughs> <laughs> that. Jason, what do you. <laughs> it doesn't even say that on my screen. Jason, why don't you tell us your... I'm starting over. I'm sorry. (laughs) You are never allowed to drink one of those teas again. I'm telling you right now.